0: Okay, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of August 11, 2014. This is episode 240, and I am Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, where the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast with me today are...
1: Jackie Olson, account manager with Interval.
2: And Adam Meyer, principal at Interval. Good morning. 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 How are things? Things are well. How are things?
1: Dandy.
0: Things are well. You said dandy, Jackie?
1: Mm-hmm. Thought I'd change it up
0: there. That was a good change. Yeah. Dandy. <laughs> okay. So it's dandy. Let's just move on. Let's uh do some <laughs> updates because we got a couple of good things to talk about. We got, uh they're almost both of them rant-worthy. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um Just some speaking updates for the people who listen to this regularly. You're probably sick of this by now, but hey, <laughs> come on out and, Come visit and hear me speak and say hi. Uh, actually, this week, if you're listening to this, uh, the week it was published, the following week, I spoke at the Texas Hospital Association, and oh. it was fantastic, though I can't really tell you how it went because we're recording this before I go to <laughs> Texas.
1: Oh, I was so confused. Okay.
0: But I will have an update uh, at some point with how that went, but that's, that was the um, presentation on content marketing, or will be It's mind-bending.
1: Hopefully, it's still fantastic.
0: Yeah, it will be. If you think it, it will be. Uh, September 24, Whippermiss Conference, presenting a workshop with Chris Boyer on digital marketing makeover. So that'll be fun. Right now, the intent is that we provide our usual insights and then apply them to a actual hospital or health system and show folks uh, what we'd recommend them doing different. Ooh. Yeah. So we're just trying to figure out who the guinea pig is going to be. Uh, going to be at Albany, New York on October 8th for the Haney's conference, talking about content marketing. We're going to be at Shushmid podcasting live from San Diego. Uh, that's October 12th to the 14th. We also have some events there as well that we'll provide more information on potentially uh, when we get closer. Mm -hmm. And of course the new book coming soon, 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 a month away probably at this point. Joe Public 2 Embracing the New Paradigm. And you can learn about that at JoePublic2.com. Use the numeral 2, JoePublic2.com. Okay, any other updates?
1: Nope, I think you got them.
0: Nada, okay. So we have a big talker, but we have something we want to start with that builds off of our Airbnb logo convo. That happened the last time. We skipped a week, so we, we took a week off. It's really hard in the summer sometimes to keep it up for every week. It's, every time I talk about the Airbnb logo, those euphemisms <laughs> yeah. come pouring out. <laughs> we need some podcasting Viagra, you're saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but immediately after uh, that, I came across an
2: article. I think I came across it. Did one of you guys come across this first? This one? I think Adam did. Adam, yeah, did you- this, Yeah, okay. this was like a spam email that i got that i just happened to open um before well i i as i was about to delete it i think i clicked on it and loaded and i saw the airbnb logo pop up and the branding gone wrong title so i'm like oh this is potentially timely so i read it and i'm like oh yeah so then i forwarded it on to you guys so yeah this is you know normally when these things cross my inbox um i do not read them if if it's not from somebody who i recognize as being subscribed to already like voluntarily which this was not um but yeah, it happened to catch my eye and didn't didn't get deleted. It's,
1: don't don't neglect the spam.
2: <laughs> so I, now I check my spam. I rarely <laughs> open anything, but so this guy now has got some crazy metrics on me for forwarding it and you guys reading it. And, <laughs> yeah, and this guy Spending being Bruce Turkle. we'll assume it's Turkel, Turkle dot yep. com. I think he's a brand
0: consultant, uh, and we'll obviously post a link to this. Mm-hmm. Fantastic blog post i when when adam forwarded it i responded like i feel like i want to call this guy and thank him <laughs> for putting this into words cuz we've been saying this one way or the other for a long time but you know of course when you hear somebody else saying the same thing that you've been saying you go yeah see mm-hmm. exactly right so he's basically he's got a number of points in here uh he he kind of leads this post in talking about how the media that's covering it are are kind of um well they're they're shaping the conversation just by their headlines so for right. example fortune magazine talked about the airbnb logo with an article titled branding gone wrong when bad logos strike back so immediately the assumption is this logo's bad right not that we're going to cover the conversation about how some people think it's bad that they've determined it's bad Uh, And so he's got a problem with that, which I agree with. Uh, It's not that we expect journalists to always be, you know, straight down the middle and treat every side equally. Uh, You can certainly have opinions, uh, but that's, that's leading the conversation. And the reason that's a problem is because he says what we always say, which is why do we give so much weight to the unshaven masses? (laughs) I just made that up, but I like it when it comes to this stuff. Uh, So here's the first line that I highlighted. Unfortunately for both Airbnb and the readers of Fortune Magazine, neither the reporter nor the public is actually qualified to decide whether the logo is good or not.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you. (laughs) He goes on to say, sure, immediate public outcry can put a lot of pressure on a company's CEO and marketing department and can even cause its board to forego the new branding initiatives and crawl back to the comfortable old folding like a lawn chair under the onslaught of negativity. But just because the first responses are loud and critical doesn't make them correct. Mm -hmm. We should learn by now that no matter what you do, there's people sitting around with... There's so many images I could describe. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) But they're on Twitter primarily and they're just waiting for whatever you put out there to rip it to shreds because that's what they do.
1: Right. That's their job.
0: That's their job. That's how they show up in life. So... Anybody putting out a new logo should expect some level of this. Now, it might not be to the extent that maybe it blows up like it did with Tropicana or Airbnb or Gap went through this as well. Uh, But but the point is you should not let that dictate what's going to happen to this logo. And what he uses as evidence of this is fantastic. He pulls out all these historical examples. Uh, The best one is... uh, some of the most famous artists in the world were around in France Mm -hmm. in the late 1800s. So Emile Zola, Charles Ganou, Paul Verlaine, Alexander Dumas, who wrote The Three Musketeers, if I'm not mistaken. Really, really famous people who who are in the upper echelons of respect for art. Well, in 1889, they signed a letter of protest that read, quote, We, the writers, painters, sculptors, architects, and lovers of the beauty of Paris do protest with all our vigor and all our indignation (laughs) in the name of French taste and endangered French art and history against the useless and monstrous Eiffel Tower. (laughs) (laughs) Which is pretty much a Twitter post ripping on the Eiffel Tower Mm -hmm. from the most respected artists of their time and historically. And I would gather to say that most people these days do not feel that the Eiffel Tower is monstrous or useless. (laughs) And in fact, it's become an icon of not only Paris, but architecture and art and design. Right? People love it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I love that. We need to save this article and pull it out whenever we have consumers go, I don't like that doctor's shirt in the ad. (laughs) I don't like that your logo looks like a pair of balls and a woman's lady parts. <laughs> uh, right? So he goes on. He's also a good writer. Many people are afraid of things they can't yet understand, but quick as a mob of angry villagers to light their torches and storm the metaphorical Frankenstein's castle. Unfortunately, by the time cooler heads prevail, it's often too late to save the delicate yep. and beautiful new idea trampled under the writer's hobnail boots. So true. Yeah. You want to did add, you, add did anything? You go in, did
2: you read the com? Well, did you read the comments at all? Because there's some good discussion in the comments. I mean, my my favorite part in the comments, if you get down to around like number fourteen and the follow up, one of the some of the follow ups to it. But there's a designer who chimes in. Her name yeah. is Kim. Um And, you know, and and not to just rip on her, but in kind of typical designer fashion is really defending the process of design and the challenges that go into creating a mark like this and not to discredit those challenges and the processes that go into it. But my God, settle down on that part, because the, the, the look and feel of the logo and even the name itself, which she rips on a bit, um... Is not the brand. I mean, this is something we've been harping on for years and years. It's what you put behind. I mean, your your logo could be a, a, a purple elephant with you know three legs and a, a you know a turd coming out of its butt, and who knows <laughs> what the name is. And, and but if you're you know if you've got an awesome brand that people love and admire, that three legged purple elephant with a turd hanging out is going to become <laughs> the mark for you know an awesome brand and yeah. people are going to want to wear it on shirts it's they're going to want to drive the car that has that on it um you know part of her part of her her first initial rant comment number 14 so this is just a segment from it to say that labels don't matter is hogwash try mercedes bmw and so on Consumers don't buy Nike because of the logo, really? They just wear it blazoned across their chest? Don't dismiss the genius behind the iconograph, uh, the iconographic ch- and challenge of the logo designer, e.g. an octagonal red shape that conveys stop even before you are close enough to read it. But anyway, she hates the B&B mark. She compares it to the lady parts and man parts, I believe. Um, but what I like about one of the follow-ups is she started... There kind of was this argument between her and uh, uh, Jim Sweeney, but here... Uh, what I like about his retort is it's is perfect. She's like, he, so he's like, Kim, don't even sort of agree with me. You do know <laughs> the story behind the Nike logo, right? Uh, as for the other nonsense, no one bought BMW because of the logo. The logo came Hate. to mean the logo came to mean something because of the brand seriously i 'm not suggesting for a moment that graphic designers cannot be geniuses; they can I am suggesting that logos get way too much credit when they are ultimately just a mark of the brand, regardless of whether or not they are simple, complex, goofy, or genius. The best designed logo of all time will, will mean nothing unless there is a meaningful brand behind it. As for the emblazoned shirts, no one is buying a shirt because of the swoosh. They're buying it because of what Nike, not the symbol, represents. And as for the stop sign, you do know they're originally yellow, not red, right? <laughs> but his I mean his his yeah. his response, like perfectly I mean it's it's perfect. It captures what yeah, we've been saying good. for a long time. So I'm, it's nice to it's nice to, you know, see other people preaching that preaching that message as well. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's just – it makes me sad when
0: I and – the, and the Kim woman goes on to continue to argue with him. And, oh, yeah. And it's just like you don't get it. You just don't get mm-hmm. it. If you honestly yeah. think people are buying BMW because of the logo. Now, right. Now – it again. It's because of what the logo stands for, and right. they may go, "I want that car because it says B and W, and that makes me look rich and cool." Mm-hmm. But it's not because the logo is cool looking; it's right. because the car right. is, and well, all is, the things that were, came from the car and the brand it built. Yes. It, it's it's such a classic uh, misunderstanding. It's so, and, and his point of logos get so much um, weight is the same with names, and is the same even more so with taglines. For gosh sakes, oh yeah. Uh, as if you spend all this money crafting a tagline and that's going to change how people value your brand, you're crazy. You're just crazy. Right. It's certainly true that a tagline or a logo <clears throat> or a name can harm your brand, can confuse your brand, can make it more difficult for people to connect with your brand for whatever reason. It can cause harm, but it's real job is just to be a clear symbol for what you actually deliver whether it's a product or service or whatever. So, yeah, I agree with you, Adam. That was dead on. and um, That was good. I'll finish with one more thing here, and then we can move on. He he ends this by saying, I'm not predicting that Airbnb's new logo or any new branding idea that faces initial scorn will ever prove to have the staying power of an Eiffel, a Beethoven, or a Cezanne, because he actually talks about those two. What I am suggesting is that if we judge too quickly, we not only run the risk of killing ahead-of-their-time concepts that might otherwise prove to be masterpieces, we also rob ourselves and the world of the potential power of a great new idea. It's so easy to kill a new idea. Mm-hmm. Anybody can do it. If you want to be a critic, you could, you could survive all your life being a critic and just ripping everything to shreds. <laughs> but you're not, you're not creating anything. You're not lending anything to the real conversation if that's all you're doing. Right. Right. So, anyway, rant one.
1: Good follow up. No, yeah. Was a really good follow up, though.
0: Okay. So, the next topic we want to talk about is actually an article that we have posted to our website. And we sent out an email. So, many of you may have got this um, via email last week. Uh, we should also note I didn't say this at the top of the show that not only is the book coming in September, but you can now download the introduction. So if you go to joepublic2.com, that's the Roman, num- or not the Roman numeral two, sorry, the number two. <laughs> I'm going to confuse that. joepublic 2 com. You you can download the whole introduction. This article is actually a chunk of the introduction. Uh, and we titled, though it's not titled this way in the book because the subhead of the book wouldn't make any sense as a standalone. The title of the article Uh, is will hospital marketers no longer need to market their hospitals? And what this is talking about, you know, we have mentioned that the book is Joe Public to Embracing the New Paradigm. The new paradigm, in our view, is moving away from the existing paradigm, which is mass advertising, promotional advertising, the dominant form of hospital and health system marketing, where we spend most of our time, the most money, the most effort, to embracing digital marketing and content marketing that's the new paradigm and the book is really about how do you make that shift it's not just an argument for the shift it's how do you make that shift uh, in both to digital marketing and content marketing but part of uh, the introduction and this article is talking about you know before we get too far we have to address another significant change that's happening that can impact marketers and that is the idea that we're moving away from a fee-for-service, quantity-driven industry to a fee-for-quality or fee-for-outcome, quality-driven industry in terms of how we make money. So the, um, the AHA, ACA, what is it? Affordable Care Act? ACA. It's longer. Yeah. yeah. That's just the short term for it. Obamacare. Uh, has introduced a number of components such as population health management or accountable care organizations uh, that are incenting providers by tying reimbursement to some degree to outcomes, to preventing people from returning to hospitals uh, after surgery, say, with you know infection and that type of thing. And so what this has led to, and we've talked about this before on the podcast probably a year ago, There's a lot of discussion in in our sector, in the marketing world, about how this is going to change our roles. And I even heard somebody I respect quite a bit talk about it in terms of websites. uh, And the comment was, hospital websites will no longer be about drawing people in, they'll be about keeping people away. Because the idea is we want to keep people out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to keep them out uh, so they don't have unnecessary care. That's a lot of what this is about. We want to keep them out so that uh, in terms of if we do deliver bad care, obviously we have to come back. That costs everybody money. Uh, so all of that is true, not the, not the website comment. I'll get to that in a second. The idea that we do want to try to keep people out of the hospital. But whether or not that's going to change our role as marketers from, hey, our job is to pull people in to, hey, our job is to keep them out. That's an exaggeration of the situation, a huge exaggeration, in my opinion. And so this article kind of addresses that uh, because I want to kind of get it out of the way because the book is entirely about how do you pull people in, right? You know, how do you market to consumers to attract the patients you you need to attract? It's just about doing it in a different way than we have in the past. Uh, So I feel I felt the need to address that. Uh, and this article kind of speaks to that. So uh, I don't know how we want to, you know, talk to it. Certainly, we encourage you to read it. Uh, I don't know if it's controversial. It's definitely contrarian to like the statement about the website and some other statements I've heard. Uh, where hey, our job is to keep people out of the hospital. Uh, we still have to bring people into the hospital. Right. We still need to bring the right people in for the right care to the hospital, or we will not survive. And mm-hmm. the phrase, our job is to keep people out of the hospital, really applies to readmission from problems. Okay. Primarily. Mm-hmm. We are not, as of today or any time in the near future, as hospital or health system organizations, going to get paid to get people out of the hospital on a mass scale. Mm -hmm. We're not flipping this entire business model over where now you're getting paid for performing procedures and caring for people to you're going to get paid for not doing that. Right. Uh, That would require a level of government control and model change that I don't think we'll ever get to. It's similar to what happens in agriculture where we have a system that pays farmers to not grow because we want price controls so things don't get crazy. If you let the market completely dictate agriculture, sometimes we would have no food, sometimes food would cost 10 times what it costs. So we manage that industry as a country because food is obviously a vital need. Mm-hmm. We manage utilities at that level uh, where there's price controls and all kinds of things like that. Uh, we may get there, that would be, that would be kind of a social, right. uh, socialized medicine. But until we get to that point, and it's literally treated like utility, which this article points out, we still need to compete for patients. And as long as we need to compete, we need to market. doesn't mean you won't potentially be charged with helping with education, Mm -hmm. uh, population health management, health wellness. That's all great stuff. And and we encourage you to become involved in that. But it's not going to replace, uh, not even close, the need to still draw in the patients that you need. That's that fair? That is yep. fair. Anything we want to add to that?
1: I don't know. That was a pretty good synopsis. A synopsi? Mm-hmm. A synopsy?
0: Yeah. So <laughs> what's the, I, one thing that's interesting is Adam and I had a discussion about where that headline is link bait. Jackie, what do you think? The headline of, will hospital marketers no longer need to market their hospitals? Because that's kind of the illusion that these folks are drawing. I don't think illusion is the right word. It's It's the outcome these folks are drawing when they say hey websites will no longer be about pulling people in they'll be about keeping people out right which is not marketing i define marketing in the article and marketing is about bringing in customers right so either we don't call it marketing anymore or the model does change but does that sound like link baked to you i don't think so okay
1: personally you guys thought it did
0: no oh Uh, we just debated it I, I, there's a lot of times there's in my mind, if it's a question that can be seen as link bait, oh. uh, you know, from a journalistic standpoint, you would just say what it's about. Um, so a question, oh, but sure. you know, we're not journalists. We're trying to draw people in to read this as well. <laughs> we just don't want to go so far as to trick them. Right. Um,
1: no, it does do that.
0: Like if the, if the headline was hospital marketing jobs will die, then that's link bait. Especially if we came in and said, no, they won't. But that's what people say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Anything else we want to talk about? Wrap it up. Anything fun? Any shows? I got a couple new shows.
1: It always goes back to television. I know. That's
0: all right. It's our interests. Is (laughs) that not an interest of you? It's not mine. It's not? What's your interest?
1: I like to play tennis.
0: Are you playing tennis on a regular (laughs) basis?
1: (laughs) I am right now. Yeah.
0: Tennis is a dying sport. I feel.
1: Why? Why do you say such things?
0: Because when I was growing up, (laughs) tennis was a big deal. Like on TV, I watched the Wimbledon. I watched the U.S. Open. Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, you know, John McEnroe. Those were real sports celebrities. And I and I know um, Rafael Nadal, and I know um, the older guy, uh, Roger Federer. Mm -hmm. And you know, I know those names, right? But I can't tell you the last time I watched tennis. It, and I think that's a national thing.
1: That could be. I still enjoy watching it when it's on, but it just doesn't seem to be as popular as it was, right? Even like ten years ago, right? But it's still. I still think people play it. Oh yeah,
0: no, I, I agree mm-hmm. with you. And I used to play it all the time. Really? Yes, I did. I had a wicked serve. I have really? a, I have an arm span of like seven <laughs> two, so yeah. I could I could whip my arm in whip like fashion it would you know, it would land in about 1 out of 4 times when it did you could not return it
1: you know what i just have to say about this is a generalization about men playing tennis but like my husband you know i mean i i played tennis since i was young and tim can get my husband tim can get on the court and he's a tall guy and just because he's tall and has a pretty like pretty intense wingspan he can cover so much more yeah. court and return balls and it just drives me nuts yeah so if you're a tall guy with long arms, I feel like you just have an advantage in tennis, period.
0: It's for when you get older. Well, because now that I'm older, I, there's no way I could like bend over to scoop up a ball, you know, like when it's just <laughs> coming over the net. Um, I would be I be in traction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's what it would sound like everyone.
0: Right, right. Oh, well, funny. that's cool. That's a good interest. Do you, do you have means? like do you play just singles? Do you play team tennis?
1: Um, this year I've just done singles. I played in a doubles league for the last few years.
0: Yeah. Doubles is fun. It is fun. It's not as much pressure and it's just, I think it's more fun.
1: Yeah. I like it. It's not as much movement.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Adam, what's your interest? Do you have any sporting
2: interests, Adam? Do you do any activity? I I mean, in a disparaging way. No, you, that I live a very sedentary lifestyle. I was just admiring (laughs) my love handles this morning, uh, thinking I should do something about that. Um, I like no, cookies. <laughs> not even joking. I do. I like my frappuccinos. I move very little throughout the day. Um, How old are you, Adam? Again, can you say that? Yeah, I am a uh, sixty-three. No, <laughs> I am. Um, uh, I will be thirty-seven in September. Okay, so we have an, a, a mutual friend, Christopher
0: Cook. Remember Christopher Cook? Oh yes. Yep. Yeah, oh, yeah, he told me this back when I think he must have been turning forty. And he brought up the love handles thing, and I think this is true. Once you hit about age 40 as a man, those things come out, and they—you exercise doesn't get rid of them. It's really all about diet. And even right. then, your body just starts doing different things. You're not quite there yet, but you yeah, might like, want to get out ahead of it. That's probably a good idea. Is that like the yeah.
1: equivalent of a, a woman's muffin top? Uh,
2: okay, I still don't know what a muffin top is. Well, a muffin That's top like- is when you... So a uh, uh, woman, typically... uh. You got you have your pants on and it's not really containing yourself much like a, so a muffin you've got the wrapper <laughs> oh, the I got it <laughs> and the muffin kind of oozes over the top like right?
1: over your jeans yeah like when yeah. your so skin just uh, gets flabby so then the jeans are the muffin, muffin tops also well, yeah, well, I mean,
2: men love handles in the front and the back I, I, men are just proportioned differently we, we men and women seem to yeah. collect their body fat in different different ways and in different areas yeah. for sure
0: and for men it does collect at your middle yeah. that's exactly how it works i mean women have hips so they don't really have love handles necessarily. You're kind of built in.
1: You guys just don't wear jeans that are tight fitting around your waist. If you did, then you'd have a muffin top. I think that's
0: more. more there's like, guys with muffin tops. Yeah, there's, I there's, can there's see a few of in are... my mind right now. <laughs> yeah, so
2: I I don't. You know, I've got two young children, so it's really hard to watch TV show. I mean, yeah, we watch Game of Thrones regularly when that's on. Um, but that's you know that is a, an, a monumental effort in and of itself just to be able to watch that. Um, but having a a 4-year-old and a uh, almost 2-year-old and especially with a you know 2-year-old with special medical needs and stuff it's uh you know there's just not a lot of time for stuff even if even if he didn't have those needs i think having a 2 and 4-year-old kind of seems to dominate your life
1: There is your activity right there
2: Well and this is what i'll tell you Adam um
0: i got back into <clears throat> exercising regularly in a serious way when my son turned probably 5 or 6 so you're not quite there mm-hmm. with Max you're probably close and if he gets involved in any sport, baseball, soccer in particular, basketball, whatever, and you want to play with him, which you'll want to do, you'll quickly realize that I better get my ass in shape because there's oh, nothing worse yeah. than running around with your son on a soccer field for 10 minutes and going, okay, you keep playing. I'm going to I'm gonna stand <laughs> over here. I mean, that was like a... Still, that has to be 10 years ago right. that that hit me in the face. And it was... I still remember to this day going. I I don't want to be in that position. I want to be able to yeah. run around with my kids in whatever way they want to for as long as they want to. So yeah. that was the psychological kind of push over the cliff
2: that I needed to to really take it seriously. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. I, I think, think you know sense. even even just when we were when we were paying, playing Not I mean not with my children, but me, Chris, you and I and some other uh, co- friends and colleagues, when we were playing paintball. <laughs> my God. About a couple a couple months ago, that paintball. Was, you said paintball. I'm sorry. Paintball. Off, yeah, that was a bit of a uh, rude awakening in terms of. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I I know I'm ridiculously out of shape, but my god, I couldn't. I can could barely move. I couldn't even go up and down stairs for like three really? days after yes. that. And just I being, warned people.
0: Being out of played- the
2: field was like, and you, you 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 have these visions of you know like the games you play battlefield and stuff. And it's like, oh, that's going to be me. I'm going to be out there, doing, it. And then you get out there and <laughs>
1: I'm going to dive and roll. And you're yeah. running,
2: <clears throat> you're running full bore at something you're going to hide behind. And it's like, oh, that just, that just, I'm spent. That just took everything <laughs> I'm going to have. And that's the first match of our paintball day. And I'm just, I only moved 20 feet.
1: <laughs> I need a well, nap.
2: I, I played paintball in my twenties. And even
0: then I felt that way. And I was in good shape in my twenties, better, you know, just you're younger, <laughs> whatever. Um, and to try to warn people of that. And I, I'm not. I'm still not in the best shape right now. I, you know, I'm, I exercise. It goes up and down. But uh, after the first match, because you run around and you try to shoot other people, and it sounds mm-hmm. it's like a playground game. But you're got real paint guns, and you're out in a field with whatever. Man, it hurts to get hit by At, those things. Yeah. After the second game, and we played this for two hours. So we're talking fifteen minutes in. I'm heaving, just <laughs> breath wise. And there was a point, maybe. A half hour later, where Adams described this a little bit, where it was like a valley. So one team's on one hill and the others on the other, and there's a forest and all kinds of things in between. And you kind of rush in toward each other mm-hmm. and find a place to hide. The first time we played it, I ran down the hill and I kind of like squatted behind something. The second time, I go racing down the hill to like go behind these bar- <laughs> these like barrels, and I'm like. Nope, I can't stop. I can't stop. And so like a linebacker, instead of trying to like stop with my thighs, you know, with my legs, I just barreled right into these, these things, just like full body on. Cause that was the only way they could stop. And then I landed on the ground. I'm like, oh, screw it. I'm on the ground now. So I'm crawling around, but yeah, that was my moment of like, I can't, I I can't can't stop. I'm just, I'm just going to keep running. Past it or I'm gonna hit this thing with my body to stop because I can't. The hit effort my legs. it would
1: take you to stop was just too much My thighs were like, What are you thinking about? There's
0: no way you're gonna stop it you know, running downhill like this.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I wish I would have been there for that. It was oh, a good
0: time. Yeah, you fun. were gonna come. You I was. backed out, didn't you? I
1: feel like it would have owned you all.
0: Well, <laughs> you very well may have. Exercise wise you might have, because there was one younger guy who he really at the end, for sure, was one of the dominant players. Clearly he worked out. Full of yeah, he had full of energy and he was in shape. And the the rest of us, like <laughs> I'm going to put some names out there: Joel and Chris and me and Adam and some other folk. We weren't necessarily.
1: <laughs> I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that.
2: Yeah. All uh, right. Now it was fun, but man, yep, does that hurt? Time. When you get you get shot, that hurts. Yeah, I shot at him in the. Was it the first to
0: end the first game? It was just Ab and I left, and he he popped right up then. to run somewhere, and I just started spraying. I hit him right in the neck, oh. the, back of the neck, which is one of the only places not covered by. <laughs> well, of
1: course, yeah.
0: <laughs> and he's like, "Ah, I'm out, I'm out." <laughs> It wasn't that like I was aiming for his neck. He was like
2: 100 yards away.
0: Well, you can't really.
2: I mean, you can. You, there's no such thing as like fine, accurate aiming with a paintball gun. Right, I mean, right. It's, you, you could be shooting at somebody's midsection and, you, you know, wind takes it and hits him in the neck. Yeah. That wasn't the worst. The worst for me, though, was getting shot straight in the Adam's apple. <laughs> that was like, that, yeah. that hurt. I thought, I thought I might actually be injured with that one. but
1: That was really th- hurt. That happened during paintball? Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, I heard. And the, your your face mask goes down and covers your neck for the most part yeah. in the front, but I was looking I was kind of like <laughs> laying back and looked up over this log and <laughs> <laughs> Well, were,
1: <you, laughs> were you just like exposing your Adam's apple like you yeah. were supposed to? I, arching your neck?
2: No, I think somebody actually had shot bet- got a really lucky shot kind of between <laughs> a couple of logs. And it just got, it just was perfect timing. It got right in there. Oh, that's funny.
1: Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. It All right. We better
0: stop. That was, a, that was, a. we went, we were almost good timing and then we went off on the paintball thing.
1: Yeah. Fun. I don't know how I got there, <laughs> Reminiscing. good stuff.
0: All right. So we're going to sign off for the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards. This is Chris Bevelo.
1: Jackie Olson.
0: And Adam Meyer. Talk to you next time.